What's up, everybody? It's IBS Jesus coming at you guys live with week seven of the IBN College Football Podcast. I want to apologize. We were off last week. We had some technical difficulties uh, messing with blog talk. Um, They seem to have fixed that. So we are back uh, this week. Basically trying to catch up with what we missed last week. Uh, But what I really want to like harp on and what I'm really excited about is that we are introducing the IBN selection committee top 10. Uh, So I had this wonderful idea and I've got 13 people uh, within the group to also help me kind of make this thing come together uh, where we basically have a selection committee uh, much like the uh, committee that um, also does the college football selections uh, for the playoffs and so forth. And uh, we're going to do that from this week until the very end, and then hopefully we will be able to uh, work out something where we also do our own mock bowl selection. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, it's going to be great. We'll introduce it towards the end of the show. Marcus does not know the top ten, so this will be the first time that he's hearing it, and we'll get his live reaction as well. Uh, but, you know, without further ado, we'll get it started. Marcus, what's up, bro? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. It's good to be back. They tried to shut us down, but they can't stop us, bro. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of Russian interference, man. We had a lot of interference going on in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, man. And, and you know, it sucks because we had um, – I know we were all over Cincinnati last week, uh, which would have been a great upset alert. And then um, mm-hmm. also we we had some uh, commentary on uh, Florida and Auburn as well. But uh, we're lucky. We, we still have um, – Another good week of college football where we're kind of separating uh, the the men from the boys, so to say. Um, even though it kind of all went the way it was supposed to go last week, do you have any kitty table nominees? Uh, for last week? No, I don't have any kitty table uh, nominees. Not right off the top of my head. I think it went kind of how we expected it to go last week, so... No, 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 kitty table. I think we take a we take a week off from the kitty table. All right. So I actually have a kitty table nominee. I'm gonna go a little All off right. script too as well. So we go ahead and get Read it started. So I'm gonna go off script. It would be easy to say Oklahoma State because they lost to Texas Tech, mm-hmm. but I was so disgusted at what I saw from Iowa last week that even though. Technically, it's not an upset. I was upset. Look, it has nothing to do with beating Michigan. They just happened to be playing mm-hmm. Michigan. But this was my first time watching Iowa uh, this year versus um, what I would consider a ranked opponent and somebody that could give them a good game. And they just kind of, they just got scared. I don't, I don't understand uh, what their game plan was. I mean, they were they were killing them with shallow crosses and converting some of those third downs, but it was like every time they were converted, they would not go back to it. I don't know why. Um, kudos to the to the Michigan staff for taking advantage of what I consider to be some hesitation on Iowa's part. But I think a lot of people, and, and I know we were we were kind of um, high on Iowa uh, to some degree, and and I just felt let down and disgusted after that game. So I'm going to throw them at the kiddie table. I don't want nothing to do with Iowa for the rest of the year. I don't want to hear nobody talking about Iowa because that game <laughs> was their moment and they just completely yeah. dropped the ball. 
honestly, man, I don't even that whole side of the conference um, to me is like going into a foreign land because mm-hmm. it lacks offense, it lacks creativity on that side, and even as vertical, you know, and it's spread offense oriented as a Minnesota or even a Northwestern is, that whole side of the conference just has an issue with offensive identity. And like you said, to play a Michigan to what ten it was ten to three or ten to seven? It was ten to three. <laughs> <laughs> in two thousand we're talking two thousand nineteen college football, man, for both sides to, you know, only score you know, to score ten points by Michigan and three points by Iowa. Dude, I'm not even gonna lie, I was you know, I was on the way to Knoxville to the U T and U G A game last week and I was watching games and I was like, you know, I'm just gonna take a nap. I'm not watching this between Iowa and Michigan. Just three yards in a cloud of dust, no offensive creativity, no no nothing. It just was a plain Jane game. I've never seen a college football game like that. It was weird. Yeah, and I I stuck with it, uh, one, just because I had to see it through um, because I, I just launched that committee thing, and I just wanted to make sure that um, I was in the know on uh, some of the ranked games. Uh, I also had to um, – go home at some point uh, to see my parents, but I was like, I always get this gaming, you know, before I have to leave, Yeah. and I just, it, it was a train wreck, man, like, I, I wanted to turn it off, but I, I just had to keep watching to see how could this get any worse for Iowa, like, how could they play any worse, <laughs> and, 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 you know, you see they only uh, gave up 10 points, and, and the, the touchdown was I want to say that touchdown came off of an Iowa turnover that put um, Michigan in good field position, but it's just the lack of the lack of an attempt to actually take the game back. It's almost like yeah. they just played just not to get blown out, which is silly to me because honestly, when I was watching the game, I felt like Iowa was on um, common ground with Michigan to an extent, and and I'm just. Like like you said, that side of of the conference is it's just terrible, man. Like I could not believe what I was watching, and and if it wasn't for Iowa playing so bad, I would throw Nebraska on it because they had the audacity to celebrate winning on a on a last second field goal uh, against Northwestern. <laughs> no like come on, man. Like that's terrible. It's almost like everybody's just content with with being mediocre, except for Ohio State, and then I mean to some degree, Michigan as well. At least I know when Michigan shows up and they play, they just get outright beat. I never see Michigan play not to yeah. lose. They play to win. It's just sometimes they're just outmatched or outcoached. But at the end of the day, you get their best effort uh, and uh, to the best of their ability from the coaching staff and the players. Uh, I did not feel that way. And, and Iowa's a good program. Um, they, they got some consistency. This was their opportunity to really seize the moment, and it just it just was terrible. Yeah, it was a horrible game. Um, another big storyline out of this weekend that um, I think a lot of people aren't harping on um, enough, have we seen the end of the Miami program as we know it? Is it really over? Um, Is this how it ends? I, I don't think it's over. You're talking about the Hurricanes, right? Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, I think the same thing can be said for Miami, for Nebraska, and for quite a few Blue Blood programs who we Florida State, who we expected to make this leap this year, and they didn't. And I, I didn't expect just, Florida State to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think nationally, I think the people you 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 think 
you thought that these programs would be better. Scott Frost in his second year, and I think they're about where I thought they would be. I told everyone that rush defense was bad unless their defense really got an identity in the offensive line. That they would, you know, they'd be a solid team. And the same thing with Miami, and I think the same thing with Florida State is that it's hard to turn these places around. Even as talented as Miami and as talented as Florida State is, I think you're seeing a guy like Manny Diaz who is really, I think, it seems like they're in an identity crisis. You got a guy who, and Dan Enos, in a system that's supposed to be very quarterback friendly with a lot of athletes on the outside, and they haven't really done anything schematically to put Jaron Williams in the best position to succeed. When I watch Miami, that's my first takeaway. And I, I, I did expect the Hurricanes to be a little better, but I think for me this is about where I thought they would be. I, I mean, I, I, what else did people expect from Miami? I, I just expected – I just expected the athletes to really shine to come through, you know. Maybe, like you said, maybe it's just the it's a coaching thing. Guys, guys get talented and they can't they can't do anything with it because they don't know how to uh, game plan with it. So, yeah. Um, I, I mean, obviously this is Manny's first year. You expect some lumps, you know, but but yeah, I but mean, to lose the Tech Virginia was, Tech team that got yeah. blanked against Duke is unacceptable. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Tech just came off one of the most embarrassing losses in their program since JMU, and I know you're probably like, what? But it was. Um, <laughs> and um, and it's just it's just like, yo, if, if there was ever a moment to, to really take advantage of an opportunity, that was it, and it just blew in their, blew up in their face. And, and the only yeah. thing, I guess they're saving grace, is that Tech is really as bad as a lot of us think they are, and, and Miami came back. But it was just it was awful. It's it's just not a good product, man, and it doesn't build a lot of confidence. I, and I stand by what I said. A lot of these schools, like the Miamis and Nebraskas, they don't have the foothold on recruiting and and the pulse of these young kids anymore because they're used to seeing them lose. Yeah. And and, and I, they need they need this. They need these moments. They need yeah. to they need to win these games because at the end of the day, even if you can't beat a Clemson or even if you can't beat an Ohio State. You got to do something. You can't be losing to Northwesterns and Colorados, even though they didn't lose to Northwesterns, but you can't be in those struggles against those programs. Yeah. You can't be Miami and struggle against Tech because you've got Florida there. You got – I mean, yeah, I think at this point Central Florida might be more alluring uh, than uh, Miami to some degree. And and at least Central Florida gets on TV, and, and when they do lose, like they lost to Cincinnati, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but th- they have a pulse. On, on the mainstream of, of a lot of these kids. They're on social media. Like, people recognize them. Their little campaign of we were national champions and stuff, it was great. Like, they have something to go off of. The turnover chain is a mockery now. That's blowing up in their face, too. Like, it's just <laughs> all bad to me, you know? And and I don't want I don't want any head coach fired within his first year unless you're as bad as uh, Taggart. And I don't think Diaz is that bad yet, but it's not looking good. I will say this, too. I think the thing for Miami that people have realized is that there are a lot of talented kids in South Florida. And, you yeah. know, there was an era where we're talking Jimmy Johnson, Dennis Erickson, Bush Davis, Larry Coke, or Randy Shannon, where they pretty much locked down South Florida and got the litter of, you know, the number one picks, the, the first picks in that area, you know, that they could <clears throat> that they could get. And now they just can't shut up shopping and cut off South Florida to the rest of college football. And that has kind of that, that's affected Miami, and I think also moving to the ACC has kind of affected them because being in the Big yeah. East for so long, you know, in a conference where they were, you know, the alpha, and that allowed them, you know, to to dominate that conference and to establish that brand. 
So, I, I mean, I think it's a couple things that Miami, you know, they have some issues. And, what people, and the U, man, I, I just, <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, I said earlier in the year that I don't, I really don't see these blue blood programs that are in the past, like Miami, Nebraska, and Florida State to really be able to close the gap and catch up. Because right now, the haves and the have-nots in college football, that gap is getting wider year and year. And Miami and, and some other schools aren't doing a lot to, to close that gap. So, I mean, for Manny Diaz now, I mean, I think a 7-5 and five year will probably be a pretty successful year, all things considered. Yeah. I mean, Manny's got to pull out all stops, man. He's just got to bring the rock down and remind people that the rock was on that team at one point and he went to Miami, and that, that might help him out a little bit. I man, think it's not just the rock. Man, all the players before, <laughs> man. Says everybody. Man. If everybody. you're listening, help. <laughs> Please help me. Uh, I mean, he, he has to, yo. He has to because if, if he can't coach, he just needs to get the type of talent that, honestly, you don't need to coach in, in some of these games. So um, switching over real quick, uh, I want to talk about – I want to get your opinion on this because I've been kind of arguing with uh, Ben about this. But I call it the best of the rest. Uh, so my, my team that a lot of people don't pay attention to, and I think right now the two that stand out after Cincinnati took down um, Cincinnati took down UCF is SMU and, and uh, Cincinnati. So SMU had quite a struggle uh, to, to win their game, which was surprising that they came back and won. They beat Tulsa. I really thought Tulsa was going to pull off the upset. I was rooting for it. Uh, but my boys from Cincinnati showed out against UDF, and they look like a very well-coached team. And I feel like every time I've watched them since that uh, Ohio State game, they've gotten better. Um, what's your take on on who's going to be the uh, the new part of the New Year's Eve uh, game? Well, I said before the season and that I thought Cincinnati was the best group of five teams, um, that, you know, in college football. And I think that's still the same. I think people just wrote them off because they came in and lost 42 nothing, you know, to Ohio State. But that's nothing to hang your head about. We're talking about a program that's just operating on a, on a higher level. And to come into the horseshoe, lose by 42 points, you know, all things considered, that's pretty respectful. And to, I watched them, you know, I watched the game against them play against UCF and to watch them, you know, against other games. I, I think they're the best team in the group of five. You know, I think, you know, Luke Fickle's a, a hell of a coach, a guy that I don't think he's going to be at Cincinnati much longer. And, you know, I like what he's done with the program, man. I mean, it's a fertile recruiting area in the state of Ohio to be able to keep kids in the Midwest. And I, I really like what they're doing, man. And I think even UCF, UCF is still good. They've had some serious injuries at quarterback, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've had a lot of injuries, and to even still be as competitive as they are, you know, I, I think what UCF has done to be able to, you know, year after year in a group of five level to be consistent at SMU. I mean, listen, Sonny Dykes is a guy who knows offense, and, you know, they got the Texas transfer and St. Bouchelle, and the offense is humming. I mean, they can't stop anybody. They're a Big 12 team in, in a sense where they just, you know, they're going to air raid, they're going to score a lot of points, and you got to meet me at 50, 40 points, so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think the group of five, I think it's Cincy, SMU, and then probably uh, UCF. So, I, I wish I could throw Tulane in there, but I, I really can't because UCF is good. Man. They're a good team. And you, like you said, you're yeah. taking all the all the injuries that they've had to deal with, especially at the quarterback position. If it was McKenzie, I think, was the quarterback. I mean, if he's healthy and playing, then, I mean, they're a totally different animal for sure. Um, but I, I – um, I like Cincinnati. I've been kind of on them 
um, all year. I'm just not a big fan of SMU. I just don't trust their defense. <laughs> uh, just because in this, so let's take last week's game into consideration. If you get down by 30 against Cincinnati, you're not coming back. You're not. Yeah, you're I don't care what offense you're running. You're not. Unless unless you are one of our blue blood programs or one of these uh, power five type schools with that type of talent. But SMU yeah. can afford to play a team like Cincinnati and get down and, and think they're going to come back. If they're down like three scores, it's just not going to happen. Um, yeah. But with that being said, you can never count out an air raid offense, man. Like they've always got a chance, <laughs> yeah, especially they if they get point. going. Yeah. yeah, especially if they get going. And um, – I, I would love to see that game in a neutral site because I know Cincinnati for sure uh, draws a lot from their home crowd. They've got one of the best home records uh, against the spread and outright in the last two to three years. Um, so I would love to see that on a neutral site. But at the end of the day, when I look at a program like Cincinnati, it it, make, it like warms my heart, man. Like from top to bottom, everybody's in seat. And and the last time I felt that way about a team as far as, like, watching the sideline behavior of the coaches and the staff and, and just how engaged they are, how the, how the kids look at them and stuff, was last year when, when uh, Clemson played Bama. Like, it was like that same kind of vibe where you just knew, like, this staff has this team's pulse. Like, they know these kids, and they're going to get the best out of them every single day. No matter what happens, they're going to get the best out of those kids. And I think that's what's going to set them apart from the SMUs and so forth um, and, and lead them into um, into that, that big bowl game that they're craving. Plus, they're also returning a lot of kids as well, and that helps. So, um, yeah. But I, I really think that's something that people need to start paying attention to is, is, like, you know, when these games get tight or when these kids go into these big games, like, how are these coaches coaching? Because to get over the hump, and we harped on this the last show uh, before we were rudely taken off the air. But to get over that hump, you need coaching. We, you know, yeah. I don't think a lot of these top coaches get the credit they deserve because the kids are so good. But we could look at Jalen Hurts as an example, not knocking Nick Saban, but look at what Riley's getting out of Jalen. Look at what Nick got out of Jalen. Now I'm not saying Riley's a better coach, but offensively he definitely is, and, oh, and he's sure, getting yeah. the most out of this kid, like, you, you have to really take that in consideration. You need to give him credit. In the same breath, if Saban had that boy running on half of what he actually could do potential-wise and he was still competing, still winning a national championship, you got to give him credit too, you know? Yeah. So um, I, I really look forward to seeing uh, more of that uh, on display um, when we start separating ourselves here uh, in the next couple weeks. So we – didn't get to all the games last time because the show was canceled, but we do have a couple doozies. Um, just because I don't like Texas and I don't really like Oklahoma either, we're going to start with <laughs> our game of the week that I'm sure we're both super interested in, and that's yeah. LSU hosting the uh, Florida Gators. Um, let's see. The spread is still – because we'll touch the spread too. I think it's up to 13 and a half. Yeah, it went up half a point. Um, okay. All right, so what what you think? What you got on that? Twelve and a half. Oh, that's down. That's I like I like L- I like LSU. I mean, I, I like LSU by three scores. I think right now the offense I mean Florida has looked a lot better with Trent. But I don't know if they're really up to the task to be able to go to Death Valley at night and play an offense with Joe Barrow and those athletes that are humming. 
Now, Dave Aranda, and I know that defense, they've been a little banged up. They've been trying some different things in the secondary. And I have belief that they're going to get that together. I just don't see this LSU defense being as, you know, porous all year as it has been. But I just don't see Florida being able to score enough points, man. And I think just from what we've seen with LSU and what we've seen from Florida, I, I, I think 12 and a half, 13 points is about right. And I, I like more. I, I think that LSU at night, Death Valley, is one of the better places, you know, to experience a game in college football. And to ask a guy like Trash to go on the road and beat the LSU team, I think that's a lot. Yeah, and, and um, I kind of was talking about that today with Matt. Um, you know, he was talking about, you know, their past success against um, against uh, LSU and so forth. And I was explaining to him that, honestly, I don't see that same LSU team. I really don't. <laughs> um, I, think, I think we need to be serious about this. I think we need to start considering that this is a really dangerous and good team. And I understand Florida's got defense. I understand Florida fans, like, optimism heading into this game. But man, I I really think uh, LSU is gonna blow these dudes out, man. And yeah, it's not gonna happen early, I don't think. I think I think it's one of those away, things. Yeah. yeah, one of those things that you will find in the second half that the talent is gonna separate itself. Because when you get into these world games and you don't have the same talent as the opposing team, like it runs out. Like that adrenaline runs out by by the second uh, quarter, depending on how well you do in the first quarter. But you got an explosive offense that can attack you in so many different ways. And I just don't know if the unit of the Florida defense is really good enough to um to stop all these weapons. And I mean, you, you went up against a true freshman last week. Uh, you could definitely be optimistic. I mean, Auburn's not a bad team, and I think that's a good game to play uh, before you hit into a game like LSU. But LSU is ready, man. They got their sights set on on the <laughs> yeah. championship, and, and the way yeah, they play Alabama. every yeah. week so far, the way they've played, like, and I'm not talking because you know they they haven't played world beaters, but they have literally taken it to every single team. They beat up yeah. on Utah State and gave them the same energy they would have gave Alabama. And that's something that I think should stand out, man. Like, these kids are focused. So, um, I'm surprised that it's down to 12 and a half, man. I, I, when I saw the 13, I was like, sure, I'll take that. Because <laughs> I'm with you. I, I really think that they're going to win by at least three scores. And, um, Florida's going to have some trouble. I think we'll also see uh, LSU's uh, defense stand out a little bit more as well because the Florida offense can go stagnant so much. Yeah. And that's the thing. Um, I mean, can you score points? I just don't see them being able to score enough points. I think Florida – and then the thing is, is, man, Florida's offensive line has been pretty bad. And they've had some issues with Technic Trask and with as many athletic pass rushers and athletic guys in the front seven that LSU has, I think that could cause some problems for Mullen and Trask, especially early on in the game, especially in situations where, you know, it's third and and long, obvious passing situations. I don't know if they're going to be able to protect Trask, and I don't know if that offense will be able to, you know, like you said, put together and sustain and finish drives that ended points. Seven, yeah, and, you know, six points or three points, you know. And and I think that's um, something we kind of touched on and people have whispered, but they haven't said it loud enough. You're going to have to score to beat LSU and Bama. You're going yep. to have to. You're going to have to put up at least 35, 40 points. I'm sorry. Because those offenses are going to rip people to do one. when If, they, if they're really clicking, 
and they they open up the playbook, like it's gonna be tough, man. It's gonna be real tough, and they got real two tough, dynamic yeah. quarterbacks who have the ability to to escape and extend plays. And with the receiving weapons that they have, that's really tough on the defense. So even like I said, Florida's got great talent on defense. We all know that they that's been one of their more consistent points. Um, they I want to say were the originators with the DBU nickname, but again, it's a lot to ask, man, for for an entire unit of eleven men to do everything that needs to be done on every play. Like they can't afford a weak link in that defense. They can't afford somebody to have a bad game at any point because they will be targeted and will be exploited. So, And I think LSU's talent and, and the way they've taken the two teams this year, that has been one of the things that stands out from the offensive perspective is that they will exploit whatever you give them. Um, and yep. we haven't seen that in LSU in the past. They've been kind of like kind of like plodding along, but this this isn't the same LSU. So I, I'm really excited for that game. I'm so glad it's it's the 8 o'clock game. Um, I think they got that right on the schedule, and I definitely look forward to that. Uh, since we got a couple minutes before we take callers and we introduce the uh, top 10, let's go ahead and take care of this lame game. <laughs> <laughs> the Red, what is it, Red River rivalry? I don't, Red, I don't even care. It was the Red River shootout. Then, you know, cancer shootout. culture came about, and it's the Red oh. River rivalry. Oh my God! Shootout. Shootout sounds about right though. Although the last couple games have left some bad taste in my mouth on the over. <laughs> um, Oklahoma, Texas, new neutral. I put that in quote. Site game. Um, getting a lot of action. I want to say on the Texas side. It's down to ten and a half now. I think ten and a half is a lot. I thought eleven was a lot. I think it opened at twelve. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but. Either way, I don't – from what I've seen of these teams when they get together these last couple of years, I do not like this idea that, that Oklahoma is going to come in and blow out Texas. I don't know why. I've seen them come in with worse, and they usually get up for this game. But then there's the Jalen Hurts factor. I mean, what, what do you expect? 573 yards. Huh? That's what Joe Barrow and LSU did to Texas. And just stepping back and looking at Texas, Ellinger mm-hmm. is playing his butt off right now. I thought I think I seen a stat where his eighteen hundred and his sixteen hundred and eighty four yards total in seventeen passing touchdowns is the best of any five game start of any quarterback, and that includes Vince Young. So he's having a great year. But what are you going to do when you get guys like CD Lamb running through your secondary? When you get guys like Jalen Hurts starting to get going in a short passing game and intermediate passing game, they start to wrinkle in some of the quarterback runs. They're going to throw a lot at Texas. And I think if Joe Barrow and LSU can put up 573 yards, I would hope Tom Herman and his defensive staff has a better defensive game plan because I honestly, I mean, I know things get wacky in rivalry games, but just looking at it on paper, I I, I mean, I don't see Texas being able to keep it close. I, I, I mean, then again, I mean, crazy things have happened, but just looking at it on paper, I, I like Oklahoma by at least two scores, by at least 14 points. I think what Jalen Hurts and, and the offense is going to do, but I think Oklahoma's improved on the defensive end, too, and we'll really see this is going to be, I think, their first challenge against an offense who I think will be able to push them. And um, we'll, we'll we'll see, but I, I like Oklahoma big, man. I, I just don't see it. I think Oklahoma is kind of – they're starting to get into – 
this Oklahoma standard where you see other dominant teams of other conferences like Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and they play to their standard. And I think they're focused on the college football playoff, winning the Big 12, and being, you know, one of the representatives for the Big Ten, in the, you know, in the college football playoff and the national race. And I don't think Texas is going to do much to stop that. Yeah, I worry about the Texas um, secondary uh, injuries or, or the fact that they're not – to me, they're not they're not that deep anyway in the secondary, yep. and, and they and I never quite liked um, their defensive philosophy against teams who like to pass a lot. Anyway, I don't think their pass rush is anything to write home about. Um, nope. And I know they've been chirping a lot at uh, my boy Jalen, who you gotta you gotta give him credit, man. The kids, the kids got a good demeanor about him, man. He doesn't really. Yeah, he's I don't think he really like loses his head during games. I don't think he takes things personal. Um, he's definitely a competitor, and uh, he's definitely um, been in, like he said, big rivalry games before. So um, it's not it's not something that's going to rattle him, per se. And with their with their weapons and, and just what I've seen from Oklahoma uh, offensively and how they attack teams, I don't know, man. If you don't have the communication back there in the secondary, it's going to be a lot to cover. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I look at the LSU game kind of as a litmus test for Texas uh, defense. And, I mean, they put up some points. And, you know, looking at Lincoln and how they play, I mean, maybe last week is also an indicator too because Oklahoma kind of started out slow. They could have been looking ahead, which would be bad news for Texas as well. So um, we will see. We will definitely see what's up with this game. Um, that is actually going to kick off the college day at 12. So, again, another fantastic job by whoever is doing the scheduling. Go ahead and get this out the way. <laughs> um, so, I guess you're, you're taking Oklahoma with the 10.5? I'm taking Oklahoma with the 10.5. I take Oklahoma right. with 20.5. That's how good I'm <laughs> feeling about the Sooners this week. I am um, – I'm going to think on it a little bit more. When it first opened, I was hyped, but then the Texas secondary talk got me a little nervous. So I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but um, those are those are definitely the two uh, premier games, I think. Um, I mean, if you're into, if you think A and M is a is a top nope. twenty five team, nope. it should be a top twenty five team. You might can look at that, but I really think Bama's gonna blow the doors off of them. Uh, and and just to touch on that briefly, um, A&M was one of the teams that was kind of on the bubble of making our top 25, uh, but they didn't. They got about three three votes. I don't know why, but people kind of liked them. Um, but I left it alone. Um, obviously, a game I'm interested in. You guys know I like these these obscure games. Navy visiting Tulsa. Uh, Navy's uh, at one and a half um, favorite actually. Um, I like that. I think with their offense, um, the way they, they handle uh, the ball on the option and stuff, the way that they, they control the clock, I don't foresee Tulsa giving them too many fits. Um, so I, I definitely am, am uh, curious about that game and, and kind of like that line at first look as well. Is there anything that stood out to you? For this, you know, one game that I definitely have circled is UVA is going on the road to Miami and they're a two-point dog. I like that. I take that yeah. all day. UVA plus two. I like them going on. Consider, all things considering, I thought they played pretty well against Notre Dame. They couldn't protect Bryce Perkins. 
Notre mm-hmm. Dame's defensive line is pretty good, and they couldn't protect him. But I just don't see Miami being able to get enough pressure on Perkins. And I just think that UVA is a better team. And so Miami to be giving points to anyone right now is crazy. And I definitely like that. Um, and also Arizona State um, is a one-point favorite against yeah. Wazoo. I like Wazoo. I, I know they've had some issue closing games and finishing games, but I think Arizona the Arizona State has been a much better team at home than they have on the road. Jaden Daniels is, is playing really well for a freshman quarterback. And the fight in her and Edwards, man, they, they're starting to get it together. But I, I like Wazoo to come on the road, man, and to be able to, you know, get some consistency on offense and to be able to come back and – and beat a good, you know, ranked team on the road. Those are two games that I like this weekend. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna harp on um, Arizona State being a game that I was interested in. Would, would gladly take that point, um, just because of uh, some of the talk coming out of Washington State, and, and I know um, Coach tried to light a fire under them boys, but I don't really see it working. I think Arizona State <laughs> is uh, getting a little disrespected by this line. They've been a very solid team on uh, offense and defense, and so I, I kind of like that game as well. Uh, one of the games that I was definitely excited to see when I saw the line, and I think it's super disrespectful, is Penn State visiting Iowa as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Man, maybe they didn't see the Iowa I saw last week, and maybe yeah, they haven't seen the Penn State that I've been watching as well, but um, Ain't no way. <laughs> Ain't no way. Give me that all day, every day, man. Like, I'm excited. And, and like I said, the line was at like four and a half, and then it went down the whole point. So I'm, I'm going to just check to see if it's the public pushing it or Sharks. It sounds like a Shark thing. I feel like Penn State would be a very public play. But, I mean, it's yeah. just hard for me to think that backing Iowa right now is, is the thing to do when I just watched them dudes just play so poorly. Like, just, ugh, it was disgusting. Um, another game that starts at 12 that is interesting as well, Memphis visiting uh, Temple. Uh, Memphis is on our top 25. Um, I think that'll be an interesting game. Uh, I think Memphis is setting up um, very well to enter that conversation of um, the teams that we were talking about that could compete uh, for a New Year's Day bowl game. Um, so definitely keep an eye on them. Other than that, I mean, Florida State's got – uh, Clemson, that's probably going to be a blowout more than likely. Um, yep. I mean, we don't have much action outside Nebraska and Minnesota. is an interesting game, I guess. Interesting game, yeah. It's an interesting game. Minnesota's get, uh, giving seven and a half, which is really interesting. I would say that's disrespectful, <laughs> yeah, that's... but Nebraska be tricking. So, it's hard. Yeah, and Minnesota's to, uh, been say. playing effectively. I mean, they're an ugly 5-0, and but 5-0 and is 5-0. and and, I mean, you know, I don't think they're an impressive team by any means, but it seems like they found ways to win games, and sometimes that that's all that matters. It doesn't have to be the prettiest, but I agree with you. It's an interesting game, but it's a game that I'm just not touching because I just – I don't feel confident about either offense, really. Mm-hmm. So, for me, it's really, really hard to pick a side in that game. But Yeah, it's one of those games where you just like, I'll just watch it, I guess. <laughs> um, so we got our first caller And he's been on Or she's been on for, for two minutes I apologize Because um, I didn't see anybody when I last looked Let's see, 7050, who's this? Uh, Patrick Patrick, god damn it <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, go away bro Go you, away 
you know I was coming calling in. Uh, I know, I know. We already, we we already know. talked about. We already talked about. Not, nah, but um, go ahead and give us your take real quick. Um, and I'm glad you called because I'm gonna introduce this top ten to Marcus so I can get y'all's reaction. Uh, but what's your take on LSU and Florida? We both got uh, LSU dominating this one. I can see this one going. It's gonna be a score and a half either way, and I'll tell y'all why. Florida LSU, it's a it's a straight up rivalry game. You ask any LSU fan, you ask any LSU writer, ask any Florida fan and for a Florida writer, it's a it's probably right now it's probably the second biggest one. You can argue. Also, the way Florida likes to play defense, they're gonna make it ugly. It's gonna get hard to watch. I know Joe Burrows is on fire, but they're gonna slow it down. It's gonna be hard to watch. Now, it doesn't mean that Joe Burrows is gonna not gonna be making plays because that boy is. That boy nice. Boy out here balling. But neither team is getting above 27. Wow. As much as y'all think, um, neither team is getting above 27. Wow. Wow. No. Wow. no. <laughs> so are you, count, are you counting in the turnovers that your quarterback is going to have? Because there's going to be turnovers. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, this is, there's going to be probably like three or four on each side. Because right. Florida's getting two, or, two interceptions and a fumble in. Florida's probably throwing a couple interceptions in the fumble as well. It's they gonna give the ball away a few times. Let's not let's not okay. joke about this. And I think that's why it's gonna stay under. They're, like you said, their defenses are gonna step up for both. But um, it's yeah, I think just like the nature of the game, the nature of the two um, of the two programs, and the chippiness of the game. Because uh, we look at it last year, it's a lot of the same players returning from last year's um, last season for, on each side. It, it was a spicy, mm-hmm. chippy game. They're out here throwing haymakers between um, between incompletions. Uh, what was it? Greedy mm-hmm. Williams got into it with um, with Swain last year, and a lot of the same people are they're still back, and they they remember that. They're going to be fired up. It's, it's going to be a close one. And also, I'm just not too sure how Coach O is he still going to be ultra conservative in the big game because his play calling he tends to. We saw it with the Alabama game. He tends to get very conservative with the play calling, especially when it's so, playing so into defense. So, Patrick, Patrick, can I, can I get a Florida fan to realize that this is not the LSU that y'all are used to seeing? This is a different <laughs> animal. Like, I, I understand where you where you guys are coming from, from past experiences and stuff, but when is the last time you've seen LSU run an offense like this? When is the last time you've seen an explosive LSU offense actually play explosively? Like, we're not talking about Leonard Fournette going to get the ball 32 times. Like, this isn't that LSU. <laughs> yeah, I know no, that, right? LSU, yeah, this is the true air raid West Coast LSU, and they do look scary. I'm not going to lie. Between that and being in Death Valley at night, that's a, it's an uphill task for Florida. And, um, it's yeah, no, it's a daunting task, especially for a quarterback, what, fourth start? So you sound like you're talking yourself out of it already. You said twenty seven, no, Twenty seven? Twenty seven. All right, well look, I tell you what, if they got twenty seven by the half, you will be tagged. Believe that. Okay? <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> so hey. gonna, I'm definitely gonna remind you that you said that. But I mean it's possible, but I don't think it's likely. I don't know. What you think, Marcus? I think it's gonna very unlikely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I don't have anything else to say about Florida and LSU. I've seen the two teams, and I just 
I give Florida fans optimism, but I just feel like LSU is operating on such a high level offensively. And I think, yeah, this Florida team is probably the best team, well, the best defensive unit that they played thus far this year. And I think that Grantham and Mullen are probably going to take a more conservative approach and not let a lot of balls get over their head. But I think that LSU and Joe Brady and Tom Barrow, Joe Barrow, excuse me, are going to find ways to keep the chains moving. And I think they're just going to have their way on offense. I, I just don't see it. And even if I, – I mean, I don't see a way how how Florida keeps them under, what you say, 20 points? He said 27. I don't see that. I yeah. can see – I, like, I, I would I give you credit. I scoring game on both sides than I do mm-hmm. with being an ugly, you know, throwback SEC game. I, I like yeah. – I think the game is more likely to be a 37 – 21 type of game, a 37, 27, something like that. Like I, I got, I think there'll be some points put up on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I, I will give you full credit if it happens for sure. But please expect a tag if it's like halftime and the score is 30 to like 10. I'm just gonna let you know. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> All right, so we've got we've got 18 minutes left and and I'm very excited we got our first caller and this is Marcus's first time hearing um the top 10 list I think Patrick's list was okay um but this is a, uh, this is an agreement between the committee we have 13 members so there are no ties um everybody well there could be ties but generally there are no ties with, with that many people but um we we took a, we took a list of everybody's top 10. I broke it down to the consensus list of the top 10 and then had them rank them. So here we go. At number 10, Marcus, we've got the Texas Longhorns. So Ew. I was a little disappointed in that. I thought it'd be Penn State, but Texas won. All right. Uh, number nine. Let me see here. Because people keep messaging me and jacking up my list. All right, at number nine, we've got the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. At number ten, at number ten, I mean number ten, sorry, at number eight, Florida Gators. At number seven, the Wisconsin Badgers. At number six, the Oklahoma Sooners. At number five, the Georgia Bulldogs. And then wow. we get into our top we get into our top four. At number four, LSU Tigers. At number three, Clemson Tigers. And then number two, I wanna say one and two came down to the last vote. So the committee was really tight on their one and two. And there was one person who put the number two team <clears throat> At fifth, and that is why our number two team is number two and not number one. So there's one person that this fan base can blame for this ranking. But at number two <laughs> is the Ohio State Buckeyes, and at number one is everybody's number one, the Alabama Crimson Tide. So those are our top ten. Is there anything you didn't agree with in that? Yeah, I don't like UGA at number five. I actually like UGA and Clemson to switch spots. I think put Clemson at five and put UGA at number three. I watched UGA in person last week, 
And one thing I'll say about Georgia is they're incre- they are incredibly talented. And I think that they play a little on the conservative side, and it's just Kirby's style of nature. And But I, I don't see how Clemson at this point right now is a better team than Georgia. Um, Bama and Ohio State, I think that's interchangeable. That can go either or. I don't see what people have seen in Bama, you know, that they don't see in Ohio State. But, you know, that's just whatever. That's just cherry picking. But other than that, I mean, I, I, I mean Texas and Penn State was one for the, the 10th spot that in my list I had Penn State at number 10 over Texas. I had Texas 11. I think Penn State has looked pretty good. I mean, they've had some, you know, they had some hiccups along the way against Pitt, but I think they've been pretty dominant in, in most of the other games. And, um, I, I mean, just from the rest of the top ten list, those, that's about it. I think Oklahoma, if they win this week, they'll shoot up. And if LSU wins this weekend, I think now that's going to, you know, be pretty interesting because now you're going to have LSU with essentially, what, two top 25 wins. They're going to have the two best wins of any team in the country. But I think the eye test will say that LSU probably isn't as good as UGA, Bama, or Ohio State. So, I mean, I think this weekend will be, you know, uh, will tell a lot about college football going forward. But mm-hmm. I like the list. I, I, I do like the top ten. I think you're going to see some teams like Texas. I think Texas will fall out and Penn State will come in this week. And I think Florida will probably go out as well. But, yeah, I mean, for the first top ten, I, I feel that's about right. Patrick, did you have any complaints? You're part of the committee. Is there anything you didn't like about the top ten? Uh, yeah, Penn State not being in the top ten over two teams. Oh, yeah, behind two teams with a loss? No. Penn State, they've been beating the draws off people. It is, like you said, 5-0 and is 5-0. and And they've been doing it pretty impressively. Yeah, I'm not sure what people saw in, in Texas or Notre Dame, actually. Um and, and to put them over Penn State, um, like I Texas, wasn't very high. I have I haven't been very high on um, on um, Penn State, but I mean some of that's just blatant disrespect. I'm not I'm not oblivious to what they're doing, so um, I think they definitely were worthy of the top ten. Well, Texas they just went to a, a lackluster, rate, fully rated, depleted West Virginia, and they got mm-hmm. 31 put up on them. That was on the the uh, upset alert for like a half while until they mm-hmm. finally pulled that one out. And let's not forget that UVA actually gave Notre Dame an actual game in South Bend. Like that wasn't – like Virginia had them on the ropes for that half. They just started having fumble problems. They could hold on to the ball. But, so, yeah, Notre Dame wasn't a clear head and shoulders above them. So from a, from a, a committee standpoint, like let's – Put ourselves in the shoes of of the actual committee that does college football. Do you guys think that the margin of victory should play a big part in in um, how teams are ranked? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, especially if it's if you if you blew out a top twenty five team, you should get a little more of a boost in the rankings. Also, but it also depends if it's if you beat a team by, say, 10 on the road, that also gives you a little more clout, too. That can give you the same amount of clout as being a team by 25 at home. Marcus, what do you think? For me, yeah, I think it does, um, you know, have a face on where the teams are ranked because, I mean, for me, it's not about who you play, it's how you play. And, Mm -hmm. you know, meaning that 
you know, yeah, sure, you can get a Cincinnati or sure, you can get a Texas, you know, whoever the opponent is. But if you come out and you actually outclass them and the eye test just tells you regardless of the scoreline that this team was just much better, then, yeah, I think that a lot of that goes into it. And I think you can see a team like Ohio State who's absolutely blasted everyone regardless of competition level, Power 5, Group of 5, Big 10, or whatever. You know, they're blasting everyone. I think that, that does have a lot to say, you know, about the quality of teams. It's especially when these championship-level teams, the elite teams in college football, week in and week out, you know, to take Georgia to go on the road against. You know, yeah, Tennessee is a Tennessee of old, but, I mean, that's still an SEC-caliber opponent. And go in their house and put 45 points up on them pretty, you know, pretty convincingly, pretty easily says a lot about who they are as a team. So, Margin of victory does matter, and I think that's kind of how, you know, me, I, I, it's hard to really put, you know, to quantify the eye test, but you know what you see. You know, if you can look at a team like, man, this team is really dominant, this team is really good. I think that says a lot, you know, about about the team and, and you know, really where they are, you know, ranking well. Yeah, I would say um, I was also uh, a little disappointed in having Clemson in number three. Um, I, I, I am all for respecting – Clemson's body of work last year and the fact that they haven't lost uh, leading up to this year. But I I don't think looking at Clemson uh, this year that they are the number three team in the nation. Um, in the same breath, I, I get ranking Bama at number one, but I just I just feel like that's really cliche too. I, I personally thought Ohio State was the uh, number one team in the nation. I was perfectly fine with LSU coming in at number two. And then Bama and then Georgia or Oklahoma, and 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 that would be my top four. I just feel like I feel like Bama and Clemson are just still kind of getting getting love from people based off of stuff that they seen last year. Don't get me wrong, Bama's definitely um, a, a top team. I just want to see them challenge. I want to see them play a little mm-hmm. bit more meat uh, before we we start putting them up there. And Ohio State hasn't necessarily played any meat either, but they've been been working people. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm gonna go, go ahead and crush this myth that the ESPN Sagar and FPI's ranking, oh God, here we go. schedule here we ranking, go. has the. Hey, I, listen. I, I just I listen. I just use was given to me that we have the 19th <laughs> toughest schedule in college football so far. So far. And I think that's only going to go up. Yeah, so far. Oh and because God. I mean, you know, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Nebraska. I mean, oh, every yeah, yeah, team yeah, yeah, isn't yeah, an yeah, elite yeah, team. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you really think about it, Cincinnati's a top 25 team. Nebraska would be a bold yeah. team. Michigan State was a top 25 opponent when we played them, and also, you know, a top five defense in college football. And we obliterated them. I mean, Michigan State, we didn't play our best game, and we still won by three scores easily. You know, we walked to a victory. So I want right. to, you know, put that out there by the strength of schedule, you know, miss. And I think it is like a bias and a narrative that, oh, you know, Alabama – they play in the SEC. And, well, the SEC isn't what it once was. You know, not, not no no disrespect to Alabama. I think they're still one of the three, four best teams in college football. But the strength of schedule to me in it's not really a huge argument, right, because we've seen that with other teams. We've seen we won a national title in 2014 when I thought the Big Ten was, was weak from top to bottom. Clemson has won. Bama has won. Even when the SEC hasn't been as strong as if the team is good, man, that's really what matters to me is how you're playing instead of who you're playing. Okay, I think that's fair. Um, I don't think the SEC is what it used to be. Either. I think it's a little top heavy. I'm, I'm mad at uh, Iowa and Michigan because I need them to strengthen my argument that the Big Ten was the better conference this year or tougher conference. <laughs> uh, Nebraska as well, but um, kind of falling by the wayside. 
Yeah, I agree with that, um, or at least that argument or, or counter argument um, about strength of schedule. Um, Patrick, will yes, we sir. see will we see two or more SEC teams in the top four by the end of the year? By the end of the year, I think we will. Um, you can also, I can see Bama running through all the way up, um, staying second. Or, second or first, depending on what happens with Ohio State. Granted, I don't see Ohio State falling off. And um, even if it comes down to a two-versus-three matchup with them and LSU at the end of the month, I really don't think that's going to affect either one of them that bad because that's going to be – man, that can go either way, the way they're look, both looking. And um, both teams look like they can bounce back from that real well. And honestly, between them and also Georgia – yeah, and, yeah, the odds are in their favor. Marcus, we got two big games coming up with ranked teams in the top ten. If you had to do a ranking next week, how would you rank it uh, based off of the result of the Florida LSU game and then the uh, Oklahoma and Texas game? Who falls out? Who goes up? How would you do that? Well, I mean, I think first it depends on, you know, how bad of a victory, right? You're talking about a three-point Oklahoma win or a 25-point Oklahoma win. But I think a win would do a lot for Oklahoma's resume, right, to beat Texas in the Red River shootout. Then that would give people, you know, everyone that has been down to Oklahoma because they're like, well, they don't play any defense and they haven't played any. So I'm like, well, okay, whatever. But I think they beat, if they beat Texas this week, I think, Man, <laughs> if if Oklahoma beats Texas by whatever you know margin of victory, who do they jump? Now every week, just because the team wins the game, do they have to jump somewhat? Now, can, even if Oklahoma beats Texas, do you think they're better than Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, and Georgia? I still don't. Now Florida, that's going to be interesting if they win. If Florida wins, you're talking about a team that's at eight. And considering, you know, the victories that they have so far this year and how they've looked, I think you got to think that they'll jump Whiskey at number seven and probably jump Oklahoma at number six and put themselves in a position, you know, to be that. I think that next group outside of the four, you know, the next four between, you know, four through five through eight. So, I mean, I, I think this week is going to really be the first weekend that's really going to shake up, you know, the college football playoff because you've got, what, three Top ten teams, well, four top teams, and four top ten teams in action this weekend. Excuse me. So it's going to have, a, it's going to be a big weekend. Patrick, what are your thoughts on on who drops? Uh, got a caller uh, waiting in the queue, but I'm going to let you have a, a final say. Who do you got dropping out of this weekend? Uh, I got Texas dropping out of the top ten this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen Hurts, he's playing who, unreal. Who would you replace them with? Um, probably a bounce back uh, team. Mm, maybe Michigan inks back up in there. Or uh, wow, that's a jump. Yeah, maybe yeah, <laughs> Michigan is like sixteenth in our in our list. That's huge a jump. huge jump. <laughs> Y'all know people love Michigan. People love. Yeah, Michigan I know. No, I, I I mean I definitely I definitely you know I they give any, they people give every chance to vote yeah. for Michigan. That's that's why I was like, eh, somebody's gonna. People are going to vote for Michigan, like, anytime they do anything that doesn't look like it's complete disaster. Um, and also, I think Notre Dame would slide down, especially if mm-hmm. Penn State wins. 
mm-hmm. um, especially if Penn State wins convincingly in Iowa. Say if they mm-hmm. go up, win by two scores, Penn State moves up into that um, that eight spot. All right. And also, well, thanks, thanks for calling, bro. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get this other caller on the line. Um, obviously, we'll love to have you back next week, especially if you don't get 27. Or if you don't hold Thanks. the time at 27. <laughs> All right, man. Catch you later. All right. All right, man. Thanks. All right, let's see. 9136, who is this? We might win some, but we've only lost one. We <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Hey, I really got to remember my these God, numbers, man. Up? I got to remember these numbers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so look, I'm gonna run you. I'm gonna run you the top ten real quick. I don't know if you caught it or not, so I'm gonna run you the top ten, and you tell me what you think. All right. So the committee for IBS, uh, the top ten goes as follows: um, number ten is Texas, number nine is Notre Dame, number eight is Florida, number seven is Wisconsin, number six is Oklahoma, number five is Georgia. Number four is LSU. Number three is Clemson. Number two is Ohio State. And number one is Alabama. What do you think about that? I got no issues with that. I would probably, man, you know what? I was going to switch Oklahoma and Georgia, but Mm -hmm. that ain't going to matter after this weekend. But, uh, (laughs) nah, that's all right. That's all right. List with me. I mean, Texas and Florida, you know, it was fun. You know, for a while it lasted, you know. They'll be out of there by next week. So, so you got you got Oklahoma and uh, LSU winning this weekend. Oh yeah. What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that thing? What's that thing called? The kitty. 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 Kitty table. Yeah. Hey. So. So real quick, Patrick said. Or Patrick thinks that um, Florida is going to hold LSU to 27 or less points. What do you think about that? Mm, where is it at? LSU? Yeah, yeah it's at LSU. LSU. Somebody oh, hell no. Hell no. <laughs> and night game in Baton Rouge, the, the, crowd, the crowd noise is like an earthquake. Nah, yep. not happening. Not happening. They got Trust what's that quarterback's question, name? Right? Yeah. Oh, what's that quarterback's really? name? Trask? Trask. Trask. Well, he's yeah, going to yeah. be called Trash after the, uh, Saturday. <laughs> so, yeah, that right. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah, disrespect to Florida, man. The key couple with the one-liners, man. God damn Too many sound bites. I got to stop laughing when you talk so I can get clear of bite. <laughs> nah, man. Like, I mean, no, no disrespect to Florida. They I mean, they've got a really good defense. But their offense is not going to go in there. They, if they want to win, their offense is going to have to score at least 24. And you're saying LSU's mm-hmm. not gonna get twenty seven? Nah. With the way they're playing they're throwing the football, nah, I can't I can't see that happening, man. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I thought it was a little extreme. But I, I told him that I would give him, you know, the benefit of the situation. He's a fan. But if they got twenty seven by halftime, he's definitely getting the tag. <laughs> 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 so and hey, um, uh, as I said, we at the end of the show, so I'm gonna let you take us out. Whatever you want to talk about, bro. If you got questions for Marcus or you want to rant about something, the floor is yours. Okay. Um. Now I ain't got no questions, man. I know Michigan. You know, hopefully got an easy win this weekend, and then we got a little little stretch of run, stretch of games we got to hit. But other than that, man, uh, Marcus, man, I ain't gonna lie, man. Ohio State, man, 
this is I gotta be real with you. I think this might be their best team ever. Yeah. Real, I mean real talk. I will say this. Looking at the, the I, I was just saying is that we're probably entering as scary as this is, we're probably entering the most talented era of Ohio uh-huh. State football. And the reason I say that is because, you know, Urban Meyer when he left, he left you know, we're talking about just talent index, one of the top three teams in college football. And what Ryan Day is able to do is he no, – no disrespect to Urban. Uh, people know how I feel about Urban, but I thought, you know, he's really – he made some blunders towards the end of his career. And, I, and, and people say, uh-huh. well, oh, these guys still went 12-1, you know, Rose Bowl champions, you know, Big Ten champs two years in a row. But I think what Ryan Day has done – and to take a guy like Justin Fields and to be able to bring in guys like Greg Madison, um, Coach Washington from Michigan, and also Coach Hatfley, you know, who's who I think is probably uh-huh. one of the people to talk about Ryan Day leaving. He's actually, you know, he was a guy that Zach Taylor wanted to hire as the Bengals defensive coordinator this year. So I think those uh-huh. adjustments that he's made, man, has really done a lot for the program. And I don't want to toot our horn too much because I think we're <laughs> – it's crazy because we're still really young in, in a lot of areas, you know, especially uh-huh. at quarterback. But, man, I can't ask for anything more from Justin Fields. I can't ask for anything more than Ryan Day. And, man, I mean, I, I, I think we're going to lose one. I do see I, – I see us losing one game. Going undefeated is really, really tough. And I think we've got some tough games coming up. Wisconsin, we got Penn State the week before Michigan at home, which is going to be a tough game. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah, we balling, man. We just need everybody else in the Big Ten to, you know, we need Jim and crew to to do their do their part, man, to keep the conference strong. But I think Michigan, man, I think you guys, are, I mean, hey, look, you only scored 10 points. Yeah, I get it. But you did beat a quality Iowa team. Then, you know, we'll, you got right. Penn State coming up. You know, Michigan, I think they're kind of trying to find out, you know, some offensive identity. I think that's their biggest thing. I watch Michigan. I don't know what their offensive identity is. Like, you know, you're a run-first team, you're a pass-first team, you go RPO, it just looked like a hosh-posh of plays just being thrown. Like, it literally looked like Jim is just caught, well, if it works, let's try it. If it works, let's try it. There doesn't seem to be a lot of, you know, I mean, I know they game plan, but it just doesn't look like much. But, man, I, I don't know about the Big Ten, man. A couple of teams have been looking real funny in the light that we thought, you know, were really good. It does seem like, once again, mm-hmm. as much as much as things change, they stay the same. And as Ohio State and everybody else, so. Yeah, no, notice you said one loss. That's why I said the rematch with Wisconsin. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's gonna be. That's why I said, like, college football is week to week. People, I don't talk about last year. I don't talk about the previous week. I talk about this current yeah. week. And the thing is, it's like, man, week to week in college football, to be it's so much pressure. Or, you know, you lose a game, you lose two games, you lose you lose four games in the NFL, you're okay, right? Like you're 12-4. and four. That's just mm-hmm. the nature of it, right, where you have a chance to go to playoffs. But one loss is so magnified in college football because you got four teams. You know, you got five power conferences in a group of five fighting for four slots. You know, that makes it so, so pivotal to go out and show up and win games each and every week. And I think if we can do that, man, we'll be fine. But I'm more concerned about the rest of the conference than I am with us. Sparty, they funny at the mm-hmm. light. Put them at the, put them at the kitty table. Michigan has looked funny in the light. Wisconsin has looked dominant. I mean, Northwestern we thought would be good. They're not. Purdue's not good. Nebraska's not good. So, I don't know where the conference is going to go, man. I, I was really expecting a lot more from some of the other, you know, some of the other teams. But, man, it's – 
same things change. The more things change, the more they stay the same, man. We still a boogeyman on the block. I yeah. think the demise of Ohio State football has been greatly <laughs> exaggerated. People just thought we were going to fall off this cliff, but we'll see. Man. There's, a long, there's a lot of football left to be played, but Fields and Day have looked like a great combination for sure. Okay. But, uh, no, <laughs> I mean, you know, you know what it is, man. But, but once again, Texas, Florida, Kitty table, fellas. No disrespect. It has been called. LSU OU are winning. Texas and Florida are going to be at the kitty table. And Akeem's going to come back next week with another remix. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Akeem. We appreciate hey, it, bro. Down, man. I'll, t- I'll talk to you all, fellas. So this has been week seven. Uh, Marcus and I are going to be signing off here shortly. I want to say thank you again to the people who helped uh, do the list. I think it's a very good list, and uh, yep. I look forward to seeing how it changes uh, as the season progresses, and then hopefully hopefully we can do a uh, selection show, um, and we'll try to make that entertaining. Might even try to do a video for it, but we'll try to make it as entertaining Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You got to get like a, a video, a playoff committee where, you know, I sit back or you sit back, you know, we like the narrators, but really let get these guys input in how, you know, because we run the show every week. We watch, we know we watch a shit ton of college football, a lot of football in general. But it'd be really yeah. good to get Patrick, Akeem, Mike, who else? Ben, Jeff, whoever we can get, man, just to sit down and see what else everyone else is seeing. Maybe we could do it the um, because we're about four weeks away from the college football, the initial playoff ranking. Maybe that week we could, you know, give our initial ranking. And then, you know, every, like, two weeks or three weeks or something, we get the committee together. Yeah. We can definitely tweak it a little bit. Um, so, yeah. let's go ahead and, like I said, we'll reiterate, we got LSU and we got uh, Oklahoma winning. So, um, we all I personally have LSU winning big, and I think he does too. And then Oklahoma, Texas, I don't know what to call it, man, but it's the secondary is really hurt. And I guess I'm, I'm favoring Oklahoma a little bit more, but who knows in that in that game? It, it really can be uh, a toss-up sometimes, no matter what the spread says. Yeah, rivalry games are tough. Yeah. So uh, we look forward to seeing you guys next week, week eight. Um, this is IBS Jesus and Marcus Anthony signing off. Peace.